The Chiefs still don't have an offensive coordinator. What can they do to get that done, and when will it happen? Also, the second part of where we go from here is what would Brett Veach do? Brand new segment coming for you. Looking at the draft, welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. We are free on every platform that includes YouTube. If you'd like sub and hit the bell over there, thank you for making us your first listen. And if you'd like to find another Locked On show, I think the NFL Draft Show would probably help you out a little bit. I do a lot of work with Eric Crocker over there, and we're ready for it. I'm Ryan Tracy. I am the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting. I work on metrics for athleticism and production that goes hand in hand with film. I do a lot of film grading too. We'll talk about some of that coming up today. I also run the RGR football channel on YouTube, as well as co-hosting with Eric Crocker on Lockdown NFL Draft. Now that said, there's a lot to go into the draft. The combine is a big event. That's coming up. You generally want to show up to the combine knowing what you want to do next year, knowing who's going to call the plays and the conundrum that's going on. And I know that it is still an issue for a lot of people is this whole thing with Eric Bieniemy. Where is it? What's going on? Why haven't they made an announcement yet? Well, from what we understand at this point, the meeting that was supposed to happen last week and before all the, the debacle that was, uh, you know, put onto the internet, um, that meeting did happen and it started the process, but clearly there's been no resolution to this point. Um, as we understand, it has continued into this week as we record here, um, Wednesday afternoon, uh, still no decision, at least not one that they feel that they're going to make an announcement on. Now, sometimes the chiefs are a little bit crafty, have to say, um, uh, as good as they are, they keep things close to the vest. I would not be surprised. If at the end of the day, this is just something that gets worked out and there isn't a major announcement until they all show up next week uh, in Indianapolis for the combine. You've seen Eric B. Enemy run on field drills for the combine before. Don't know that he was even slated to do that this year, but certainly we'll see his face at some point. Um, both Brett Veach and Andy Reid are scheduled to speak to the media at the combine. So if nothing else, we should have an update by then. The question becomes, why hasn't there been an update yet? What are they waiting for? Is this still an impasse or has this decision been made and we're just not aware of it yet because it hasn't been put out to the public? There are two sides of that coin. One is that if they've made this decision, it is one, I think, because of the departure of Mike Kafka that uh, really lends itself towards being a pretty simple fit. There's a question of who will be the quarterback coach as well. So if they have brought Eric Bieniemy back and they haven't told us yet, they're also looking for a quarterback coach, someone who will work very, very closely with Eric Bieniemy. That does lead to one of two candidates in my mind. We'll get to that in a second. But the flip side is if they still haven't reached a decision or if there's hemming and hawing here about what's best for Eric Bieniemy's future, what's best for the Chiefs offense's future, um, there are two sides of the coin that are involved in making that decision. And we don't know what the holdup might be. It is very legitimate if Chris and I have talked about that maybe Eric Bieniemy feels he needs to get out from the shadow of, of Andy Reid and call another offense with another quarterback and really show what he can do without that support system of Reid and Mahomes. 
maybe it's the fact that maybe Reed and Mahomes feel that they need to get back to doing what they do, the two of them, uh, with maybe some help from some new voices and let Eric go out and do his own thing somewhere else, whether that's taking a year off, whether that's looking at the college ranks. The problem is right now for Eric Bieniemy is a lot of teams are making their decisions. They're they're announcing new staffs. Things are coming hot and heavy about who's going to be where doing what. And it's kind of like that, you know, if you don't have a chair when the music stops, you get to take a year off whether you like it or not. And that's uh, quickly becoming what I think this is approaching. So I really want to see them get this decision made for not just uh, Eric Bieniemy's sake and the sake of the organization, but for everything that they have to do with the combine. The combine is one of the pillars of the offseason so that you can prepare for your next evolution. Every team is different every season. We say that around the league all the time, but it really is true because you will have outside influence from new players and new coaches, and you have to put a new plan together. So being prepared for that really comes down to having the people in the room that do the interviews, that includes the OCs, the vast majority of the time, especially when you're talking about trying to secure a weapon for Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be important. You want to have your staff put together. Going to the combine without a complete staff is an issue and will lead to maybe a prolonged and and honestly deprecated draft season in terms of the process and understanding how players can fit into the organization because it can't all be on Andy Reid's shoulders. And right now, outside of the positions, outside of quarterback, there's a lot of holes in this staff right now. Now, the two options would be Eric Bieniemy coming back. The other one that I think is nearly a slam dunk is uh, Matt Nagy. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks, and I have said that repeatedly. I also won't rule out that it could be both of them. If that's the way it works out, then maybe part of this ongoing negotiation is, is can we make it work so that Matt has a role that doesn't infringe on what Eric's trying to do as well with running the offense and being the coordinator? Uh, a lot of little details that have to be worked out. So we should know something soon. Uh, a lot of speculation that it should happen before Friday. I think it might draft a little bit longer than that, but we will see. And when we do, we'll have our breakdown of what that means for the offense going forward because it definitely will have an impact on what comes next for this offense. How can they build on what they did, not just last season, the season before that, but this very, very first season as they're continuing to roll uh, and look to get back to another AFC Championship and Super Bowl as clearly within their sights. I wouldn't bet against them, but if you wanted to, you could probably go to bet online and get that done. The football season might be over for now, but there are plenty of basketball and all kinds of bets that you can lay down some action if you want to. March Madness is coming right around the corner. There is plenty to be done with other sports as well. Right now, there's some props out there. There's some things uh, I'm sure there'll be some props on some draft bets as well about who goes where. We're going to talk about that uh, quite a bit today. BetOnline, it's the best place to get all that news, get all the scores and podcasts and all the things that will give you the information to Lay your money down in a positive way. Head over to the website and check them out from a mobile device or anywhere and check out the trends and all the action over there at BetOnline, where the game starts. So this is a new segment, and I did this because Chris is out this week. You guys have noticed, I'm sure, and uh, I didn't have to uh, have a conversation. I just decided to do it. So WWVD, that is the new segment. What will Veach do? That is where I'm coming from because this comes down to, as the ball has started, we saw – the Anthony Hitchens release. Uh, if you missed Matt Derrick coming on with me yesterday, go back and check that one out because it's a great conversation. And Matt has the pulse of this team down pretty cold. 
And for me, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We talked, Chris and I did about the cap show. If you missed that last week, go check that out as well. There are going to be a number of moves. There are several directions that they can go. They can clear anywhere from 40 up to nearly $60 million in a series of moves that will produce some dead money, but will produce cap space so they can get some things done. And some of that has to happen rather quickly. Uh, you can't go too much farther into March without designating the franchise tag. To do that, you have to have the cap space for the franchise tag, particularly if it's the offensive tackle that we've heard about with Orlando Brown. Now, there's another scenario where maybe they can reach an agreement with Orlando Brown, and that allows them to put the tag on Tyron Matthew and bring him back. I don't know that that would produce a, a happy honey badger, but that certainly is an option. But all roads aside lead to what they have to do with the edge position. And we're going to talk about the, the options to replace here uh, coming up in the next go. But right now, it is what will Veach do? Will he try to restructure? I know there's some thought out there amongst some of the media that Brett Veach is trying to restructure Frank Clark and trying to reduce it enough that it can make it palatable for the limited production that they've seen the last couple of seasons and try to actually salvage the relationship. I think uh, relationship-wise, it sounds like fit with the team, fit in the locker room, fit with his D-line mates, that, that, that's still all there and all positive for Frank Clark. There's still some legal stuff sitting out there. There are still some possibilities about a lack of availability coming down the pike that they have to be very, very cognizant of. And I think that is really what drives this. And so at the end, to answer the question for this segment is, what will Veach do? Veach will release Frank Clark. There is about a, a half a percent chance that anything else happens. Uh, I know a lot of people think that it's, it's way more up in the air. I, I really can't see it from here. Because the recovery from that, even if you were to strike a restructure that makes sense monetarily, reduces your cap, keeps Frank in the house, keeps Frank happy, um, keeps the, the defensive front happy, I don't know that that risk sitting out there is a viable thing to just kind of put on hold. Because you never know what's going to happen. This offseason wasn't great for him. Anything else could happen. And there are repercussions from last year. It could turn into a thing where availability for Frank Clark is a problem, where you don't have him. And even on a restructured deal, that becomes that you've tried to fix the problem by restructuring Frank Clark and keeping him on the roster, that he's there to be a player. If he is suddenly not available, that takes that all off the, off the table because you're, despite having wanted to do it and, and been able to even accomplish that in, in this scenario, you're still without a player. You still don't have an edge player to put on the field, and that is the issue. We have seen that over and over and over as, as this whack-a-mole thing of trying to keep this team achieving Super Bowl success or at least Super Bowl acquisition and get to the game. Uh, every problem that keeps popping up is one that they have to deal with, and, and allowing that to happen again would be a miscalculation on the part of the front office and Brett Beach, and I don't think he will allow that to happen. I think he he is aware of what that risk is and what it would take to get it done. So, again, while it is not official yet, I do not expect Frank Clark to return. It is a very, very low likelihood, less than 1% in my estimation. You'll hear some other thoughts around town and around the league. And that turns us to if you don't have Frank Clark and he's not your, your breadwinner and the guy that's beaten down the door of the quarterback, what do you have to do? 
you have to build around Chris Jones. We've talked about this a bit as well. There's a possibility that we'll talk about in free agency of acquiring some players that can help you. Uh, if Frank Clark does depart and the other dominoes of what we feel financially has to happen for this team in order to do the franchise tag uh, for the offensive tackle, that leaves you precious little playing room until the draft. And so it would have to be a lower-end contract. Do you think Melvin Ingram could come back? I think that's probably the goal of both parties. Whether they can reach work that out in any kind of quick time frame is very, very unlikely. Uh, I do believe that Melvin has said he wants to see what happens. He's not in a rush. That, to me, is a signal, hey, I'm going to wait until I get more than what I got last season, the one for four that he signed in Pittsburgh and then got dealt back to Kansas City. I don't think that he's going to get a whole lot more. I think he's going to be out there for a while and unwilling to commit, and that leaves the Chiefs in, in a position that they have to turn the page and they have to get serious about replenishing their ability to rush the passer and affect them from every position on that defensive front. We're going to talk about that here after this. Now, this is my time of year, and I really enjoy this part. Uh, I have been putting a lot of time into the edge class in this draft. Uh, a lot of film work has already been done. Uh, it, this and the linebackers have been my focus to this point. And you all know that I cover the draft over on Locked On NFL Draft. If you'd go like and sub and hit that on YouTube and give it a listen, and we're free on all the platforms, so it, it doesn't take anything. Eric Crocker and I go through a lot, and I generally lean towards the defensive side of the ball first. Now, Crocker's a DB. He used to play for the Jets, and he's been in the league for a while. Um, and he was a cornerback, so I, I don't venture into that. But what I've been able to concentrate on is because the Chiefs have need at both edge and linebacker, and quite frankly at this point, most likely a selection somewhere in this draft of a interior pass rusher to try to pair with Chris Jones. Now that may be taken off the board rather quickly with um, a free agent acquisition, um, as well as part of the edge rush could be taken care with that as well. But you got to get back to looking at the draft and looking at not only who's available, but who fits. Because this scheme, as we've seen the last few years, has become precarious. And it's, it's a thin margin these days of what works and what doesn't. And I'm very, very keen on making sure that the one thing that does not happen again is an inability to get to the passer. That is the downfall. There's a lot of theory out there about you build from the back of the defense and you get all the DBs that, so that you can cover and so you don't have to have premier rush talent because it'll take them a little bit longer. The theory being that it, the lower down you go on explosive talent at the edge position, the longer you have to cover in the back. That's not always true, but it's a general rule. And I think in this case, what this draft class tells us is there's, there's strengths at both. We'll cover the DBs, particularly the corners here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Post-combine in particular, I usually don't touch on them until we've seen how they run and what their long speed is because that is one of the few positions that really is important is to have the long speed at the corners. So with my attention squarely on the edge class for these Kansas City Chiefs, for the class in general, I've done I've worked up about, about 12 of the top prospects so far um, and that's that's quite a long process. It takes a lot of film work, a lot of time to do, a lot of long nights um, getting into the All-22 from the college uh, kids and, and seeing what they have. Now, there's a couple of highlights. Uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Kevin Thibodeau, not going to be there. Uh, 
Trayvon Walker is a guy that I think would be interesting, but I don't think he lasts till 30. So I, I really am not projecting that he's going to be available there. I could be wrong. If my rankings are correct, I could be. There are a couple of players that really light up when I think about what the Chiefs either have wanted or do need, in my opinion. And one is, from the standpoint of fitting a Spags defensive end profile, there are two guys that stand out. One that I'm excited about in Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, uh, who I feel is well within the top five now and may be taking over the top four here in just uh, another, another game review, to tell you the truth. Um, big, powerful, relentless motor. Has the length and the size. Um, don't want to make comparisons to all pros. Everyone does that all the time. <clears throat> but you can see somebody um, that is related to TJ Watt that has a body type similar anyway. Um, that's the kind of, of girth that you're talking about. Uh, and still is a viable pass rusher. And I bring up TJ because the other options is something that I think the Chiefs actually need um, in more of the guy that isn't the big body, isn't the long, tong, long strong, tall, not necessarily explosive type. And that's that's what Thomas is. He's not he's not an edge better. He's not explosive. Uh, neither is George Karloftis, who I actually uh, now have ranked lower, which means he would be not only available, but I think he'll be a second rounder. Uh, I don't see him going in the first. And I think both these guys would be available for the Chiefs so, should they so desire them. Thomas, I think after the combine, you may see him creep up some boards. Um, it, and you got to got to make the distinction too. Creeping up draft boards for media, for those of us who just do the analysis out here, that doesn't mean anything. Most of the time, what we're seeing in film study is catching up to what the teams have already determined. But a strange performance, what the combine should do is confirm what you've seen on film. Sometimes it doesn't. A lot of times you have performances that don't match. And then you have to go back to, is he underperforming on the field? Or is he a really good tester? Uh, did he re get some kind of training that refined his technique in these timed events? or And really kind of bear that out in your own mind. That could happen. And I do think that Cameron Thomas is one guy that you, we're going to see that happen for. And then the teams might start to open their eyes a little bit. Could he still be there at 30? Absolutely. I do believe he will. But there's a slight chance that he could go up there. The other flip side is the speed rusher type. That's why I bring up TJ Watt. Imagine TJ in this offense where you have somebody that can dip and rip and get under and around and bend the edge and do it with speed. The ball's coming out faster and faster in this league. Maybe it won't be quite so with Tom Brady retiring. I think he brings the average down to tell you a bit in terms of time to release. He, he's quick. Um, but the trend is generally get the ball out, defeat the pass rush without allowing them time to get there. I think that also helps the DBs too, because then you have to cover for less time. You can anticipate routes that are, are going to break underneath a little bit more. And, and I think that all is good, but you still have to take those chances. Third and longs, you have to have, let plays develop and you have to get to the passer. So while I don't think it's necessarily viable right now, somebody like Jermaine Johnson is somebody that I have at the bottom third of the draft in the 20s. I don't think he makes it. To 30 right now I could be wrong um, but a lot of folks have been pushed up into the the top 15 top 10 I don't see that the senior bowl performance was against what I feel is a, a fairly lackluster group of offensive tackles and I don't think that's enough I think that's a bit of an overreaction to push him up into the top 15 but he is a speed bend type player 
There are four others that you'll see breakdowns on this all over RGR, and we'll talk about them here, and I'll probably do some write-ups as well. You guys know I don't write a lot, but uh, I'll post some things. How's that? A um, couple of guys to keep an eye on that are the more bendy type. Ajabo is is a raw candidate, kinds of athleticism, but doesn't really know how to use it yet. He will be probably a first-rounder in a very, very easy way. I don't think the Chiefs will have an opportunity. So then you knock it down the tier with Johnson and Ajabo likely gone. It comes down to three players for me that have that bend, that still have the availability to, to set the edge enough to hold up. And that's what it comes down to for me. And those are Nick Benito uh, from Oklahoma, MyJ Sanders from Cincinnati, and newly really graded out better than I expected was D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about Jared Stearns and Bailey Zappi on the offensive side. Well, the, the law firm has expanded. It is now uh, Zappi, Stearns, and Malone. You can go check them out. Um, and they are options. So there's there's both flavors. Now, <laughs> the speed guys, I think, are all a bit lower down. Um, again, if something were to fall for Jermaine Johnson or David Ajabo, they would clearly be a grade above. But those are three options in the second round, clearly available at 30, that you should have opportunity for. So I think the edge position not only has to be fixed in free agency, you have to get a veteran there. But I think there's opportunity not only take one. In this draft, you can take multiple young edges, put with Kando, build a room, and be in good position to go. So there are a lot of options coming We'll have more breakdowns for you. If you would like sub and hit the bell on YouTube, we'd appreciate it. If you would check out Locked On NFL Draft, if you would check out Locked On NFL, uh, a lot of work going on all over the network right now, and it's a lot of fun. We appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow with a special guest. Tony Pauline's going to join me. We're going to talk a little bit more about some draft prospects that he's seen from Pro Football Network. Thanks for your time today. We'll talk to you tomorrow.